Todd Bowles is the standard for HBCU coaches hoping to join the NFL. Jonathan Ross jumps from D2 to FBS. And I revisit the conversation that Jeff Lightsey and I had about whether or not Jackson State is truly the standard. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're going to kick off this episode proper, and I'm going to give a special shout out to the Ocean of Soul, the Texas Southern marching band that absolutely killed their performance before Bianca Belair's entrance at WrestleMania in Arlington, Texas. Yes, Arlington, Texas, Arlington, Texas. I got to say that three times because let's stop calling it Dallas in the mainstream. It's Arlington, it's Arlington, Texas. All right, that's my city. Let's show some respect. Now. With that shout out, that clarification, I give you a special welcome to another episode of Locked on HBCU, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And me, I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day and today's episode is brought to you by stat hero reshaping the way that you play fantasy sports dozens of house-based games to play daily no sharks no funky props just your skill versus the lineups that you choose sign up today at stathero.com slash lock on and todd bowles is the standard for all coaches who are hoping to go from the hbcu coaching ranks to being in the nfl having a a long prosperous career that is who Todd Bowles is. I think that Todd Bowles is somebody who, first off, let's back it up because I made a statement similar to this not too long ago. I think it was mid-February that I made this statement and just saying that, hey, Tyrone Wheatley is what the NFL hopes for when looking at the Senior Bowl Minority Coaching Fellowship. And that stays true. That is extremely true because within that fellowship, we've already seen a guy go from head coach to running back coach or being a part of the NFL, you know, like I hate how it sounds because it sounds like you went HC to position, but you moved up, you went into the NFL, you're in the NFL now. So it's a little bit different. And I think that Todd Bowles is that and on a different path, not on a different level, on a different path, because not everybody's going to go through that coaching fellowship. And before this, not everybody had that chance. So this fellowship, yes, within that certain lane, that's Tyrone Wheatley. But within everything else, you should be looking at Todd Bowles, even even Wheatley to an extent, because Todd Bowles is a two-time head coach. And I just think that there's so much at stake here, not even at stake, but so much to praise here, so much to be excited for here, because, listen, I want to make sure I get this quote right, because it's 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 important to me. And he spoke about being at a black college. This was before the Buccaneers won their, their Super Bowl championship, right? And now he's the head coach of the Buccaneers now, now that Bruce Arians has retired. I still think he was one of the people you should be looking up to and arguably the standard for this statement. But now that Bruce Arians has retired last week and Todd Bowles is the new head coach, they ripped up his defensive coordinator contract, and now they gave him a long-term head coaching contract. And I think this is something that 
was in the works. And I got to respect Bruce Arians for the way that he has built up a staff full of minorities. And I don't, it wasn't forced. It's a prime example of if they want to do it, they can do it. It's not like it's difficult or it's impossible to do. NFL teams can do it. And listen, the thing about this that's special before I do give the quote that he gave about being a Morehouse and grambling coach in his past is where he got to start at. Before I get into that, I do want to say the NFL has a race issue. Clearly, we all know this. They have a race issue. And he he his hire doesn't escapate that or anything. However, it does at least give another black coach a chance, a second a second chance at that. So I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, Todd Bowles is here and it's all good. No, it's not all good, but I am happy for Todd Bowles. And to be able to say he coached at an HBCU, it makes me happy on two fronts. So let's get into that. Let's let's give the quote that he gave about his time at Morehouse, his time at Grambling. He said, being at a black college was one of the greatest experiences that I have ever had. And now <clears throat> and to now get to the Super Bowl, I've came a long way, long life, and I'm getting very old. You know, hey, whatever, I feel you, man. But I'm getting very old. I'd like to thank Morehouse for that because Morehouse and Grambling is where I cut my teeth at and I'll never forget it. In other words, in other words, this is where he started learning his basics of coaching, the foundation of coaching. And no matter how much you gain knowledge-wise and no matter how much you gain experience-wise, that foundation that you build, as long as you build a strong one, is what's going to propel you, you know? So that time right there where he was cutting his teeth, like he said, that was the learning process. That was getting everything understood. And he jumped straight from Morehouse, or excuse me, he jumped straight from Morehouse to Grambling. And then from Grambling, he went to, I believe it was the Miami Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken. But he wasn't directly into the, the defensive coordinator role that he is today and head coach position that he is today, actually, with the with the retirement of Bruce Arians. But he came in and he's been working. He was secondary coach. He's been working associate or assistant head coach, he's been working, getting, just climbing up those ranks. So you see him, and that's somebody who you should respect. This is a man who has been in the league as a coach for over 20 years. He's been a head coach or defensive coordinator for a decade now. And he's somebody that, at the worst, you sit there and say, well, he's a defensive, he's a really good defensive mind who has been able to use that specialty to stay in the league for years upon years. That's quality. He has used that time, that foundation, that he built at Morehouse at Grambling, cutting his teeth to be able to propel him and set that foundation. Remember, foundation, that is your block. That is your base. That is where you start from. That is what propels you forward. He was able to use that and it was able to propel him to a very successful career. So even before he was the head coach again, this was somebody that you should be looking at and saying, oh, OK, I would like to have a career like his. Now, as a defensive mind, he's had six top 10 defenses in the scoring department. He's elevated this Tampa Bay defense three years in a row since he's been there. They were one of the worst scoring defenses in the NFL when he first got brought on. Now they're one of the best. They're in the top five ranks, moving up every single year with back-to-back -back top 10 finishes. Now he's the head coach. We'll see. This is his second, ch his second chance. He has a better opportunity here than he did in New York because with New York, it was a situation where you're stepping into kind of a dumpster fire here. You, you just won a Super Bowl two years ago, really a year ago. If we're being honest, right? You won it in the 2021 calendar year. So you only won it a year ago. You're stepping into a situation with so much more stability. It's kind of similar to the conversation we had about Mo Williams, by the way, shout out to you because 4,000 views on that video. Shout out to you. Y'all are amazing. 
I just want to give that special love because that is now the highest viewed video on YouTube. But like Mo Williams said about Alabama State versus Jackson State, he's stepping in with more more um, stability, less of a rebuild. So I think that Todd Bowles would able will be able to benefit from that as well, where he doesn't have to come in and try to shift the culture. He doesn't have to sit in there and try to question the quarterback position. Maybe he will next year. He likely will next year. But at least for a year, he'll go in with a stable quarterback that knows what he's doing and in a culture that is one that people want to join now. And we'll see what that is after Tom Brady leaves. But I think that Ty Bowles has an opportunity to continue that. But regardless, if you're talking about a defensive mind, you're talking about as a head coach, Ty Bowles has 100% built himself up as the coach that you should really emulate and you should look up to when talking about going from the HBCU ranks to joining the NFL. And speaking of looking up, we are going to talk about the conversation of if teams are looking up, if JSU should be the standard for all teams in the SWAC. Oh, I cannot wait for that. But first, we're going to talk about Jonathan Ross's move from Division II to FBS because that's a rare move that I think should be celebrated at all times. And it just so happens that he came from an HBCU in Bowie State University. But before we get into that, I am going to tell you about Stat Hero because it's here. North Carolina knocked off Duke this weekend, and now they are in the national championship. They are in the NCAA finals, and you got to put your money down. And no funky props, no long-term odds, right? So we're here with Stat Hero. You can choose. It's like fantasy and betting meet each other. You can choose lineups that you want to go against, and you can pick your five players. They're going against those five players. And it's only betting on players that you actually know, so you can actually feel confident in the money that you're putting down. No more saying, ah, I think, I think. No, feel more confident. Say, I know this is going to happen as, as sure as you can. And go to Stat Hero. Their users are four times more likely to win than anywhere else. That's what you need to know. I'm trying to get you to get your money up, right? So that's where you need to go. That's the best place for you to try to win. And that's what we want to do at the end of the day. So if you want to do that, if you want to come home with some more money, you want to come home with a victory, then go to stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for an 100% deposit match. That is stathero.com slash locked on for an 100% deposit match. Use the promo code locked on. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so we'll keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day in today's word of the day is exculpate. It means to clear from alleged fault or guilt. Now, I want to talk about Jonathan Ross moving up from the D2 ranks to the FBS ranks. He moved from Bowie State to University of South Florida in a move, wait for it, in a move that is going to help both Ross and Bowie State. It's good for the trajectory of both of these entities. I'm going to tell you why. I, 
I'm excited because I know that sounds crazy, but I'm going to get into it because with Jonathan Ross, he's going from a D2 program to an FBS program. He jumped straight over the FCS level and he was getting interest from schools there. He was getting interest from FAMU. Overall, he ended up choosing South Florida. And you know, that jumps from, it's basically F D2. I'm doing little blocks for those. I'm going to say it out loud for my audio listeners as well, because I want you to understand what I'm the, the model that I'm trying to demonstrate here. So you go D2, step up. It's like a stair. Step up FCS. You step up FBS because essentially those FCS schools are Division One. That's why I'm trying to avoid using the term Division One in this, because like your SWACs, your um, your MEACs, your Ohio Valley conferences, those are D1 schools. Right. But. They aren't FBS, so it's a different classification in football specifically. So basically, he skipped a step. He's you know you walking up the steps, you go one by one, but then you're trying to extend your leg out a little bit more, and you take one step over. That's what he did. He stepped right over the FCS ranks, and that's major because to be able to be looked at like that, and that's just a, that just speaks towards the talent that he was able to show in two years. And I wanna I wanna run down his resume because he's only a red shirt sophomore but i want to run down his resume real quick because i do think that is something that is not heard of often to to just be able to jump from a division two school in Bowie state where you thinking okay maybe you might be able to take a step up step up to the fcs ranks but to then jump to the fbs and be going to a school like university of south florida in a situation where they're looking at you to bolster that unit that speaks to it but let's look at his resume he was the Defensive player of the year for Rob Lynn, Super Region 2 as well, the CCA as well, defensive player of the year for all of those. He was the he was an HBCU All-American first team. He was a D2 CCA All-American first team, AP D2 All-American first team, Don Hansen D2 All-American first team, Top 100 first team D2, Tap In Sports NCAA D2 All-American first team, CCA All-American first team. He led all HBCUs, whether that's NAIA, um, D2, FCS, did not matter. He led everybody in tackles for loss, led Division II in forced fumbles. He was the college network in a uh, college network All-American second team. And then he was the defensive player of the year in 2019. Or excuse me, he was a defensive rookie of the year 2019. So specifically last year, because that's a long resume. That's why I, was, I wanted to read every single thing because I know you may sit there and be like, all right, is he done yet? Is he done yet? And I really wasn't because that just speaks to how revered he is as a player i wanted to read all of his accolades so that was important that i was able to showcase everything that he did he retired retired <laughs> he transferred with 125 tackles 40 tackles 40 and a half tackles for a loss in 15 sacks now a lot of that came last year mind you he's a redshirt sophomore who came in in 2018 redshirted played in 2019 took the covid year off came in 2021 did what he did is now he's going out to the FCS or FBS ranks. So he's a little bit more seasoned than your typical redshirt sophomore because he's been in there for four years. He's been out of high school for four years. Still has two more years of eligibility. So this is a guy who is more experienced than I think his classification would say to you. And I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore, you know? So technically he could come out in the draft this year if he wanted to. So that just kind of speaks to the experience, but he's still going to have, he's still going to have two years of eligibility left. Now, a lot of that came in this year. He had 20, 29 tackles for a loss and he had 10 sacks. So that's basically doubling everything that he did. And he had 80 tackles. So that's basically doubling everything that he did in his, in his first year, but he was a 2019 CIA rookie of the year. 
So it wasn't like he just popped up on the scene. No, he has been around. And I think that that needs to be said. Now, I know what you may be thinking. How is this going to help Bowie State? You lo you're losing one of your best defensive players. How in the world could this help Bowie State? Recruiting. Recruiting. That's how it helps. This is, a, this is for me at least, this is a good recruiting tool. Yes, Ross is going to a situation where the coach says, hey, and I think this is important actually because it's not a contradiction. It's the, the USF coach said, we need to build up our defensive line. And then they brought in Ross. He's in a situation where they feel like, hey, we need to bolster this. And you are one of the guys that we brought in for that. That tells me this is the kind of player that I develop. I'm walking into every single room that I can of any recruit. Because, listen, a lot of these guys who go to D2 schools, it's not like guys who are trying to go to HBCUs. Most of these guys who are going to HBC or HBCUs or not, excuse me, most of these guys are going to D2 is because they're not getting recruited higher. Now, there's people who go to HBCUs because, hey, we just want to change narrative. But I don't think that's happening for, for Division II schools. People aren't doing that. Those are kids who are a little bit under recruited. I'm going in there. I'm saying, look at Jonathan Ross. Look what I did with him. Look at all these first team All-Americans that he has from the different publications. Look at these awards that he had. Look at everything that he has done. Defensive player of the year in certain publications. And we were able to get him to an FBS school in two years. And I understand that you may not want your school, your teams, your players to leave the team or leave the school. However, sitting there and saying, hey, I can develop this type of talent. That is something that I think is a great recruiting tool. I'm going in there at all time. And the competition level is a serious, you know, impediment to everything because everybody says there's a, there's a jump in talent. So if Jonathan Ross goes and performs really well, you can 100% bet you that I am going to be sitting there and telling everybody I will help. I help develop Jonathan Ross. That's what I did. I did that. This is what my school is capable of. We're able to make great defenders. You want to develop like that? Come to Bowie State. And I think one thing that this move really did is it legitimized Bowie State as a powerhouse. We've known it. I've known it. You've known it. But now I didn't know how the people who are above them look. And for USF to come down and say, I'm going to grab this kid from, from Bowie State, that legitimized them as somebody who really produces and develops a lot of talent because it's not easy to do that. And yes, you have to credit Ross because it is his talent, but at the end of the day, you also have to credit the coaching as well because they played a part in that. They played a huge part in that. So for them to get Ross to University of South Florida from Bowie State, you are a powerhouse, and I think that everybody else is going to be recognizing it. And you might see more people sniffing around the Bowie State program to see, well, they had this Ross guy out here. Let's see what else they got. And that will only increase if Ross does well in South Florida. So this is a story that we need to be looking at not just now, but also going through in the future over the next possibly two years, depending on how good he plays this year. He might decide he just wants to come out. But over the next two years at most, we should be watching how Jonathan Ross is performing at University of South Florida. Now, we're going to get in there. We're going to talk about the conversation that I had with Jeff Lightsey last week about if Jackson State is truly the standard in the SWAC and if every team is comparing themselves to them. I, I'm starting to kind of understand where people are coming from and kind of understand why people took offense to it, even though I still don't. But I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. Let's see if I can properly do that. So if you're on that side, let me know in the, in the comment section or let me know on Twitter if I was able to really put myself in your shoes and articulate how you felt about Jeff Lighty's comment. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online and 
Listen, I'm, I'm wearing this Eddie Guerrero shirt. I don't know if y'all can see it. I'm wearing this old school vintage Eddie Guerrero shirt in honor of WrestleMania being yesterday in Arlington, Texas, right? But I will not lie to you. I will not cheat for, cheat you. And I will not have them stealing your money when I tell you that Bet Online is the number one place for all of your sports wagering. All attention is on the national championship. This is where you need to be. This is where you need to be for all of your NCAA basketball odds. I'm talking player props. I'm talking about the straight over under for who's going to score this many points. I'm talking about who's going to win by this much. What's the spread for these games? Go to betonline.net is the absolute best place to go. There's also more than that. So don't think it's just a one night event because once this is over, we're still rolling on this train. You still got the NFL, the NBA, the MH, uh, MLB, the NHL. You have your favorite Vegas casino games. You have everything that you could possibly ask for on betonline.net. That's why they are the best in the business. And they are the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I want to touch on this conversation that Jeff Lightsey and I had last week. And that was basically about his comment that said all the other SWAC teams are looking up, or excuse me, all the other SWAC teams are comparing themselves to Jackson State. And I want to make sure I clarify that because what he actually said is important to this conversation. And I've been thinking about this pretty much all weekend. And I've been sitting there thinking, like, I agree. I agree that they are a standard because we use different words to describe it. They are the standard. I want to see what what else were people thinking. And we talked about this afterwards, and I kind of said it, and I thought about it, and I agree. We talk, When I say afterwards, I mean once the camera went off and we started speaking just about the reception and who was the most vocal against him. And it was FAMU schools or FAMU fans. And I think that this makes sense. I'm going to get to it in a second. And I realized it's pride. It's all pride. It's pride because so many people are sitting there and I think they're taking, I think they're adding to Jeff's statement. I agree with Jeff, but I wanted to put myself in the shoes of somebody who isn't. And I think that they are adding things to the statement, but I understand where they're coming from because I understand the connotation that they believe comes with the statement that he made. I don't think he was saying it like this, but I do understand that most people who would say it because he came on and clarified and I've talked to him. So I know how he means it. But I think a lot of people took it as looking up to, comparing and looking up to as synonymous. And I don't think they were in this situation. Now, mind you, I'm trying to step myself in the shoes that do not belong to me. So if they belong to you, come in the comment section and say, no, this is not how I felt. I felt this way. This is what I truly thought. Now, I'm going to continue, but I want to give that disclaimer out there for anybody who actually did feel like, no, I didn't like his comments. I want you to tell me why you didn't like his comments in the comments below. Um, but I think it's pride. When you say you're comparing yourself, it's like, I'm not looking up to it. It makes it sound like they're on a different level from every other team in the SWAC. Now, once again, he explained himself, and I think it should be clear that's not what he's trying to say. However, I can see how you would think that. If you're a fan, you person, you probably sitting there thinking, I'm the best team in the SWAC, period. I don't care. I am the best team in the swag. And then they started having the conversation about branding. That was something that he was talking about heavily. And it's something that I saw on social media as well. 
I personally, that's not my thing. I care about football. I care about what happens between the lines. I could really care less about anything that isn't football or the press conference because the press conference is talking about football. If it ain't that, all that other stuff is just extra to me. What I really care about is the action. But I understand that there are more things at play, other things that you should be discussing. So I'm not going to write it off. But when we're talking about branding, I do think a lot of that has to do with Deion Sanders at the moment and the J-hat. And let's not get it twisted. Jackson State does have a history, and they do have a history of leading the SWAC in attendance and just being a great fan base. So that has been true forever before Deion Sanders. But I think with the, the public visibility, a lot of it is Deion Sanders, but you can't take that away from him. And I also don't think that you should be looking up to them. Comparing, yes, how do we get the same type of visibility? What are they doing in addition to having Deion Sanders? Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to grow. But I think that maybe that part of comparison seeming like you're looking up to, like they're just the big brother. And it's like, oh, man, I wish I was Jackson State. I don't think that's what Lightsey was trying to say. And it's definitely not what if he was what he's trying to say, which I don't think so. But if it was, that's not what I would have been co-signing. That's not what I would have been in agreement with, because I don't agree with that. I don't agree that they're looking up to him like, man, I got to be there. But I do think you're looking at the things that they're doing that are successful. I do think they're more visible than pretty much all HBCUs. And yes, a lot of that does have to do with Deion Sanders, but you cannot take that from Jackson State in the sense of his statement. His statement is still a statement, and his statement still reigns true. You can't separate the two. They are together. Once they're separate, you can separate them, but they are together. Deion Sanders' brand is Jackson State's brand at this point, and same vice versa. So with that, I say, how do we get the same type of visibility? It's not looking up to like, man, I wish we had that same visibility. It's, okay, what are they doing social media-wise that is getting them more eyes? Because it's not just Deion Sanders. What is Deion Sanders? Because Deion Sanders is a person who has created a persona of prime time, who has done these things, and has it's not like Deion Sanders was born and people just put a camera on him and was like, oh, my gosh. It's not like he's some famous person's kid or anything like that. He has created a persona and he's created a social media presence that people want to look to. People want to be around. People gravitate towards what Deion Sanders is doing. So there are some things in there that you can look and you can study. You should always look and study as far as what people are doing to be successful. You think I don't listen to Locked On Saints and be like, hmm, Ross is doing this. And X, Y, and Z, man, you, you crazy. I call Ross. <laughs> I call Ross and I say, hey, you're doing this and you're doing this, that, and the third. That's good. Now, granted, I do look up to him as one of my mentors in this game. However, at the same time, you think I don't look at straight up Saints? Well, you know, yeah. excuse me. You think I don't look at straight up Saints? You don't think I look at locked on Pelicans? You don't think I look at locked on Texas? You don't think I look up, look at these guys and say, hey, I love what you're doing right there. What are you doing that's successful? You're crazy. You think I didn't go on when I went on Blue Bloods? I don't, no disrespect. I don't look up to Blue Bloods, right? I don't look up to him. However, I see things that he's doing successfully. And I'm like, okay, I want to be able to do that. That doesn't mean I think he's on some other level that is unattainable to me at the moment. That's not what I feel. But I do think he does some things that are successful that I think I should be able to take. That's what you do. It's about being, that's how you better yourself. So, I don't think it's a situation where you have to look at it like, oh, they're looking up to him or anything like that. And, and listen, I call my people. Like when I say straight up Saints, I, I didn't want to mention because he's not part of the Locked On Network. However, that's a good friend of mine. We've seen him. Chris Rose Vogley came on to talk about Deion Sanders in the interview they had. Great friend of mine. I call him all the time. Hey, man, that, that podcast was great. The things you do right here are great. Y'all don't study these things. That's how you get better. That's how you learn new ways to do things. Football-wise, I don't think it's a question. Even if you are a fan, you fan. 
even if you feel like you could have beat them more, especially at the end of the year. Well, you didn't have that chance, and you didn't beat them earlier in the year in a game that was super close. So they are the champions. I think everybody should be comparing themselves. What can they do to knock off the champions every single year? If Mississippi Valley State wins the, the SWAC this year, everybody should be comparing themselves to them. So I don't really think it's too much of a question on between the lines. And honestly, I don't think you should take it. I think maybe if you take a step back and realize he's not insulting you and saying you're not doing well, he's just saying, hey, Jackson State has the most visibility. They have the most success in the conference. Mind you, he said in the SWAC. I just think if you look at it between or look at it with that lens, you might take it a little bit differently. And I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. So if you don't agree with me, 100% tell me because I'm only assuming what you might be feeling and how you should feel about it. So holla at me at South Exclusives. Y'all know where to find me at. And if you want to find me every Monday through Friday, you can find me on Locked on HBCU. So make sure you're making us your first listen of the day. Every day tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about the Grambling Spring Game and a couple of things that I had two specific takeaways that I really wanted to get after. So let's talk about that and more on tomorrow's episode. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On NFL Draft because they bring you all the content that you need. The draft is only a couple of weeks away. Let's educate ourselves and let's make sure that we know what's going on with not just round one, round one through seven. And that's where you need to go. Eric Crocker, Ryan Tracy giving you everything that you could possibly need. And in the meantime, in between time, y'all can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.